Hey friends, I'm Elena Davis, your integrative health coach, and I'm so glad you're here. This is the Health Forward podcast where each week we will be talking about different things that move us forward toward a healthier and more fulfilling life. Thanks so much for listening in. Hey friends, welcome back to the Health Forward podcast. Thank you so much for being here with me today. This is episode 14, and we are continuing the theme of focusing on ways to support our mental and emotional health. And today, I have my very first guest ever joining on the podcast. My husband, Scott, is here with us. Welcome to the podcast, babe. Thank you. I'm glad to be here. Well, today, well, not today, but the day that you're going to be listening to this is going to be our 10th wedding anniversary. Woo! which is crazy to believe we've been married that long and we're old enough to be married that long. But anyway, we thought it would be fun to do a podcast that focuses on relationships and just some general tips for healthy relationships that we've learned over the past 10 years of marriage. And a lot of these can be applied to any relationship, not just in marriage. We hope that you will enjoy it and get a little um, something from it. So first, I just thought we'd start off by maybe sharing a little bit of how we met, how long we dated, just kind of our story. Do you want to start that? Sure. Well, the fun part about how we met is we don't know. (laughs) Uh, We were introduced by a friend of ours. We know who that is, and we know about the time frame. We have an idea of probably how it happened, but we don't actually remember meeting. So how romantic is that? (laughs) Uh, The good news is that both of us don't remember, so it's not like one of us remembers and the other one doesn't. That would not be as good. But we know... That we met in college. Yes. It was roughly 2007. Sure, let's go with that. And then we didn't start dating immediately. We both were dating other people. Yes. And it was like the next... One of us was always dating somebody (laughs) else. So like when you were not dating somebody else, I was. And when I wasn't dating somebody else, you were. It was... uh, We just didn't plan it out well, really. (laughs) But finally, in... March of 2008. Yes. We started 2008. Dating. On my birthday, actually. Yes, on his birthday is when it became official or whatever. It's so weird when you're an adult and you start dating. It's like, will you be my boyfriend? It's very weird. But you need to be very clear about what you call each other, you know, because you just got to be able to say, this is my girlfriend or this yeah. is my boyfriend. But you got to have permission to say that. Right. You can't just assume it. That's true. At least that's how I understand. I actually asked you out. Can of worms. Yes, you on did. On the first date. You did because you were too impatient. If you had waited five seconds, I was going to ask you. Uh-huh. That's his story. But uh, it, I, whatever. Anyway. Rude. We went uh, to a homecoming basketball game at the school I graduated from. That was our first date. And we dated for, let's see, nine, nine ten months before you proposed, is that right? Or is it a little longer? Yeah, it was about it was Christmas Eve when I proposed and right. we started dating on my birthday in March. So it was about nine, nine months. Nine months, yeah. And then we got married the next October. So all in all, not a super long dating engagement. It, it felt, felt like forever. Yeah, it felt long, but I think it's just because we were super young. But um we got married in October of two thousand and nine. So it has now been ten years. That's insane. Okay, so let's get into, we have 10 tips that we're going to go over today that are things that have just helped us to have um, a healthy marriage and a better relationship with each other. And so we want to share those with you. So babe, 
you can take the first one. Okay. Well, we're going to start it off right. The first point I would say is to make God the center of your relationship in your home. Uh, that's really where it starts. You know, the whole story, um, building a foundation, you want to get the foundation right. Otherwise, nothing else will set correctly. It's true with your marriage as well as with anything else. And God does need to be the center and re- and uh, the foundation of your home. Yeah, it's it's kind of cliche, I think, especially if you're in, if you're around a lot of Christians, I think you hear that a lot of times of like, yeah, make God first, God's the center, but truly like nothing, none of the other tips we're about to share are going to work as well if that isn't the case. And for us as Christians, when we got married, you know, we, we didn't only make a covenant to each other, but we made a covenant to God and in front of God. And so that, um, it just kind of keeps us grounded as far as when we're not having like the most blissful marital moment of remembering (laughs) more of uh, the grace and love that we've been given from God and how he in return gives us the ability to have grace and love for each other. Which admittedly works out better for me because you have a lot more grace with me because, you know, I require it more. Uh, So (laughs) that's just kind of how it is. But truly, uh, it, it may be cliche, but it is the truth. All the other points that come out after this really in some form or fashion uh, reflect the first point. And if you're struggling in any given area of your marriage, uh, in my opinion, and I think you can back it up biblically, whatever you're struggling with, in some way, it, it ties back to this, and that is to make God the, the centerpiece of your home. Yeah. That's good. Okay, the second one is to communicate your expectations to, in this case, your spouse, or really you can apply this to any relationship that you're in, but specifically here talking about marriage and your spouse, they can't read your mind. No. And sometimes that's frustrating because after 10 years and plus time of dating and my personality type, which we'll talk about later, but I I kind of wish he could read my mind a little bit. And sometimes that's a reality check for myself. I have to remind myself he can't, and it's not fair of me to expect him to. <laughs> a part of me wishes that I could read your mind as well. And honestly, part of me is also glad that I can't <laughs> because it gives me an excuse sometimes when mm. I need it. When mm. I need it. Um, Here you go. Real talk, guys. <laughs> uh, but I mean, that's this is a, a good point in really any area of your life. Uh, to be able to communicate your expectations. And I joke with Elena a lot, but the truth is um, I don't pick up on hints very well. I don't pick up on subtle hints. I don't pick up on obvious hints. Hence, I do well to pick up on facts when they're plainly spoken. So uh, that does help me when she's uh, clear with what she expects. And uh, I try to do the same as well. The third thing is to embrace respectful confrontation. (laughs) Now, this is kind of is... We started off with the with the commonly told "don't go to bed angry" philosophy, which is good. Uh, I believe that that's very important um, not to fall asleep when you're angry. Uh, but at the same time, it goes beyond that, and that is uh, there. There's this idea that we want to run away from confrontation, and I would encourage you to not uh, be that way. Uh, you need to embrace confrontation, but you need to embrace it in the right way. Uh, because you know, as two people, you know, you're coming into the relationship and you exist in the relationship with all these deep-seated um, beliefs and your worldview and everything you think about the world around you. You just, in, in your heart, you know that that's your truth and you abide by it and uh, nobody could steer you otherwise. Well, your partner also has those same 
or that same level of commitment and that same level of the worldview that that they kind of view the world through. And so you have to understand that as as right as you think you are about, you know, issue X, the person you're talking to thinks that they're also right about issue X. And that is doubly true in marriage. Um, you need to be willing to talk about these things. And if you have an opinion and, the, and your spouse doesn't share it, uh, if you have a belief about how you should proceed with, you know, there's so many difficult and, and, and big decisions you make in marriage together. And if one person says, well, I think we need to do this. And you don't think that, but you don't want to, you know, you don't want to, you want to avoid confrontation. So you don't want to say anything. You kind of swallow your opinion. That's just going to breed resentment. And if you disagree, if you have another opinion, you need to be respectful of your spouse, but at the same time, voice it and work through it because, you know, otherwise you're just going to, you're just going to resent the the decision that was made. Yeah. I mean, I think this ties in a little bit with the communication aspect that we just talked about. Yeah. I think communicating your expectations will cut down the level of confrontation. But I mean, like you just said, you have two human beings who are flawed and who, um, are just kind of innately self-centered as humans. And so, um, we're just, we're not going to do things perfectly and we're not always going to agree and we're not always going to, um, be on the same page. And so I know personally from our own experience, I hate, I'm not good at confrontation. It's just not, I don't enjoy it. I tend to want to run from it. And so, um, this is something that has been hard for us. And I think something that has kind of been a recent thing that we've learned more about and tried to implement more, but not voicing it and letting it go and letting it go and letting it go and letting it go. Eventually I'm going to be at my breaking point and my, I'm going to overreact to the thing because now I've been mad about it for months rather than just bringing it up when it happened or, you know, not that you have to nitpick and argue or, um, be confrontational about every single thing that happens. But if it's something that's repetitive, if it's something that bears discussion, then bring it up sooner rather than later, I think is the point that we're trying to make. Okay. Number four, this one, it can kind of tie in with that one a little bit. And that is learn the other person's personality type or love language, and then do your best to honor that and respect that about them. And, um, in learning those things, love them well. So I love learning about personality types and love languages and all that stuff. I, I'm, I kind of nerd out on it. Uh, Scott, not so much. Um, he can appreciate it, but then that's that's all, um, which is part of his personality type. <laughs> I just love when I when something happens and I say something or do something, and you instead of responding in any way, all you do is respond with a number. Yeah, that's that's from the Enneagram. <laughs> if any of you are Enneagram nerds out there, um, Scott's Enneagram number has been somewhat of a mystery, but as it should be, <laughs> part of I truly believe that he is a I'm an enigma a three which is the achiever but he has a very heavy four wing and the fours tend to be very um don't put me in a box don't define me I'm very unique and so that part of his personality doesn't necessarily love learning about personality types however in knowing that's something that I care about and something that helps us with communication and with confrontation, it's, it's really good and healthy for us to learn that about each other as well as the love languages. If you've not read the book, The Five Love Languages, 
I could not suggest it more, especially in marriage. Or I think there's also one for children too, which is something we need to look into um, for our daughter. But anyway, it just helps you learn how the other person is wired and how the whole point of the five love languages is learning how to fill their uh, love tank. Is that kind of what it calls it? Um, basically just to fill them up, to make them feel seen and heard and loved and known as a person rather than trying to love them the way that you feel right. loved because those may not be the same thing. Like Scott and I have different love languages. Mine is an acts of service and gifts and yours is words of affirmation again i don't like to be put in a box but you know (laughs) if we had to pick something one of it's one of those languages is definitely going to be words of affirmation see what i'm doing right now i'm communicating my expectations Uh thank you for that um so in knowing that like we it was we were several years into marriage before we read that book and took the quiz to find that out and that helped me so much because there's so many things about just scott and how he Especially like like projects in projects. the house. I am acts of service, right? So I'm all about like, let's do this thing. Let's tweak it. Let's da-da-da-da. Like I'm very uh, detailed in particular about certain things. And Scott is words of affirmation. So he would do the thing for me, which was fulfilling my love language. But um, I would tend to kind of skip over the telling him he did a great job and positive reinforcement part. And then that, that didn't go well. That didn't seem to settle <laughs> well. I would just move on to the next project. Like, yeah, of course you did it great. Now let's go do the next thing. Um, and so learning that about him kind of helped me remember to like, hey, stop, slow down. He needs to like feel. It's important to realize that every home project requires a piece of your soul. <laughs> <laughs> There, there is a, there is a, there is a element of self-sacrifice that goes into these things uh-huh. where it becomes a part of you <laughs> and for, you can't just gloss over it, you know? Yes. I have learned. I have learned. <laughs> on to the next one. Number five is get on the same page with money. Now this is a big one because if you've known anyone who's been married, you've probably heard them talk about money <laughs> with one another or at least with you about how their spouse thinks of money. It's a big deal. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. For as much as we wish that money didn't run the world, to some degree it kind of does. And money, or the issue of money, is definitely going to color your marriage, or rather how you two handle money together is going to co- color your marriage. Mm-hmm. Elaine and I were pretty fortunate to be to be referred to Dave Ramsey years ago, and whatever program you choose, if you're a Dave Ramsey fan or not, that's not really the point. But what Dave Ramsey helped us do is get on the same page with money. Right. Uh, we both came into the marriage with a little bit different um, yeah. ideas of debt and investing and money in general. And there was some tension there in the beginning until we both uh, we both took Financial Peace University together. And we both got excited about the goals that we had in our Uh, marriage financially and that just got us on the same page and that's really where you want to be yeah yeah I think it just helped us to feel like we were on the same team instead of that's probably a better way to put it than on the same page you're part of a team you're working towards a common goal and as as a married couple you are on the same team but when like Scott said when you come into it with different Um, just different ways you were raised, different ideas of money. Maybe one of you has debt, the other doesn't. And then now all of a sudden you're married and you, um, share that debt now. 
And so that can, yeah, it just can breed some tension. And so um, being on the same page, being on the same team, working on a common goal together, knowing where you're headed and what you're working on, those are, it just, it helps to relieve so much tension and it's one less thing to have confrontation about. Number six is assume the best of each other. So this is something Scott said just a couple years ago. I don't even know what we were talking about or I think he was trying to encourage me with another situation and he just happened to mention that. And it just really stuck with me of just assuming the best of someone. And so again, that can apply to anyone, your friends, your family, um, anyone you're in any kind of relationship with, but specifically here in marriage, this has been uh, just really helpful for me. And especially when maybe there is a situation where something he's said or done is it's not something that's a super big deal, but it's just something that kind of irks me or his tone is not what I would want it to be. Or he seems like he's really distracted or like he doesn't really care about whatever I'm talking about. I mean, all those things are normal things that happen. It's 100% not true. Uh I definitely care. Uh Uh, Happen from time to time. But instead of automatically assuming that that's the case and assuming that he doesn't care or assuming that he's too distracted with something he cares about more, it it has been very helpful for me to remember and just assume the best. Assume that he is distracted maybe, but it's not malicious. He's not trying to hurt my feelings. It's not that he doesn't care about me. I know that he does care about me. He may just be distracted at the moment. And so instead of getting angry at him, then that is just something that it's just helped me. And something else too, I don't think we realize many times how active our imagination is in communication. When you're having a conversation or maybe even you're not having a conversation, maybe you're just sitting there quietly and um, there's a lot going on in your brain. You're uh, assuming things maybe about what they're thinking or what their intent is or whatever, and you're doing it without even realizing it. Because it's impossible to 100% communicate what you're thinking to another person. And so your brain takes what's being communicated, whether verbally or not verbally, and kind of fills in the cracks. And so based upon what your spouse is doing or not doing or saying or not saying at a given time, you have an opportunity to assume the best. And so your mind can fill in the cracks with with information that maybe they're not paying attention to me, maybe they don't care about me, maybe they're upset with me, maybe they're angry with me. Your imagination is running and you don't even realize it. Sometimes you have the opportunity to realize that and instead of filling in the cracks with the negative things, you fill in with positive things. And I think that goes a long way towards a healthy communication. Yeah, that's good. Number seven is make regular date nights a priority. So let me just go ahead and say this up front. We are not super good at this. Would you consider us somewhat good at this? We used to be real good at this. I will say that uh, parent life has made this infinitely more complicated. So if you're in the same boat, we completely empathize and understand. However, I think we still understand the importance of it. And it just bears mentioning again as a reminder to you guys and as a reminder to ourselves as we we're writing this and thinking about this of just it really just boils down to making your spouse a priority and um, especially when you have kids I think this is a great way to do that it's just it's something different I mean even if you don't have kids for us we didn't have a baby until we were married for eight years yeah and so um 
I mean, we had tons of time that it was just us, but there's still something different than the normal come home after work, eat dinner, you know. Of course, we joke all the time. We have no idea what we did with our time. No clue. No idea. I guess we watched TV We a watched lot. a lot of TV. But... We ate a lot of food. <laughs> anyway, that was that was our norm. And so that wasn't the most intentional time. And so mm. I think the point of this is make regular, um, intentional time to right. make your spouse a priority, to talk about things, talk about things that are important to you, just to spend time really focusing on each other. Yeah, I would completely agree with that. And something that kind of helps me with this is, and this goes back to uh, where we talked about finances, uh, we have a line item in our budget for dating. Uh, if you look at our budget, you'll see there's an item in there that says date night. And that helps us when we're putting together the budget every month that we're going to come across that and see it and we're going to make sure to set money aside for it. And then in the the situations that occurs where we feel like there's money not left over to do something like that, we make sure it's absolutely a priority the next month. Even if you don't go out on a date, you can do an at-home date night. We've done that several times. The point is just spend intentional time focusing on each other and do that on a regular basis. Like make it something that you plan on, something that you plan around. It's just, it's another way to show your spouse that they are a priority in your life rather than it being like, let me just fit you in when I can. Um, Which is, it's, it's, I mean, that sounds bad, but that is so easy to do. It's just easy to put ourselves kind of on the back burner and that's not healthy for our marriage. It's not healthy for each other. It's not healthy for your kids to see. Um, so yeah, just make it a priority. Number eight, be lavish with your compliments and stingy with your criticism. And this is something I think you can apply to any area of your life, Mm -hmm. but it definitely applies in your marriage. Um, I think that it's very easy to take your partner, your spouse for granted when perhaps, you know, you may be a goal oriented person like me and you're constantly working towards um, a new certification in your career or you're working towards a new uh, degree uh, in your education or you're trying to get a new promotion or um, something, you know, that you're just working towards. It's easy to be constantly focused on that and, um, you know, take your, your spouse for granted. And part of that is you tend to be more critical of things that you take for granted because you're not appreciating them. Mm-hmm. You kind of have a certain expectation in your mind of, okay, she's going to be like this. She's going to do this. And when she doesn't do this or doesn't or, or isn't like this, whatever expectation I have in my mind, if she's not meeting it at that moment, I'm taking it for granted that she's going to do that. And then all of a sudden, she, when that happens, I'm... I'm going to be quick to launch a criticism about it, or I'm going to be quick to maybe internalize a criticism. Maybe I'm smart enough to not say anything, but I'm going to think it. And uh, when it comes to compliments, I feel like as a whole, we don't give people enough compliments. I definitely think we don't give our spouses enough compliments. You don't have to be a, a poet to be able to say, I love how you blank or I love that you blank. I appreciate you for doing whatever it is. And then if you feel like something, uh, let's just say constructive needs to be said, if there's a criticism of some sort, that's where you have to lean back and think on it and think, okay, is this really something that needs to be communicated? Or is this something that 
um, is, is, there a, is there a way that I can phrase this that it's not a criticism? And you just kind of sit on it for a minute. And it doesn't mean that you don't say it. If it's something you feel like needs to be said, then get it out there. But at the same time, you don't want to be overly critical. You want to be kind of stingy with those. You want to be certain that it's necessary. And then if it is necessary, then you want to communicate it in a way that's constructive and positive rather than that as a criticism. Yeah, I think if your natural go-to state of being is that you are very complimentary and you're very grateful and you're very appreciative of the other person, when those times of needing to have a discussion or a constructive criticism happen, it's going to be received so much better because that's not your norm. If your norm is just nitpicking and criticizing and complaining all the time, then one, they're either going to tune you out and not listen because yeah, yeah, blah, blah, same old, same old. Or um, it's just you're, they're going to be so defensive all the time um, that they're not even going to receive it and you're just going to end up in a very um, unproductive confrontation. Right. Yeah. Um, number nine is present a united front. You hear this a lot when people talk about kids. Um, and so this definitely applies to that being a united front with your kids, um, being on the same page with your kids, letting them know like, Hey, mom and dad, we're in this together. You're not going to, um, what's that word? Divide. Yeah. Split. But like pit, is that that? Like pit one pit against, one the, against other? the other. Yeah. yeah. That's what I'm thinking. You're not going to be able to do that. That's definitely part of it. But also I think with, um, other people, just like maybe other family members, in-laws, I think that can become a very easy thing to do is to like run to your parents and complain about your spouse, which is a bad idea. It's also a bad idea to go to their parents and just don't, just don't do it in general. Or even with friends, I think just you are a team and you are a united front. And obviously there's going to be times that you disagree. Obviously there's going to be times that you're not on the same page, but those are discussions that you have just you all. Not in front of your kids, not in front of your family members, really not even in front of your friends. I mean, it it may happen from time to time, but overall, like no one should think, not your kids, not your in-laws or your parents, not friends. No one should think that they can come to you and talk badly to you about your spouse. Right. And that you're going to agree with them. Like, no, like you all are together to say something like for us to say, to be critical of Scott is to be critical of me. And so sometimes, sure, conversations need to happen, but we are a team. And so you're not going to be able to come to me and get me to be like, oh, yeah, Scott, da, 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 da. Like that's, that is unhealthy for your relationship. Right. I think it just boils back down to having each other's back. Yeah. Um, you know, there, there's nobody that's going to be able to come to me and say something negative about Elena. And I'm going to be like, yeah, that's true. That's just not going to happen. Um, if somebody comes to me and says something negative about Elena, I'm going to ask you what your problem is, uh, because there's nothing wrong with Elena. She's perfect. Okay. I'm just kidding. She's not perfect, but uh, <laughs> she's about as close as you can get. Anyway, the point is that, uh, you have each other's back. You're on the same team. You present a united front. And this ties in back with the last point about being stingy with your criticism. If you do have a criticism, there's one place you should take that, mm. and that's to your spouse. That's true. That's good. If, if you're taking your criticism to your spouse, if you feel like you have to get it out there and it's worth communicating and you communicate constructively and nothing is becoming of it, then maybe counseling is in order. Uh, but that's not the same thing as mouthing off to your friends or family right. or whomever else about 
um, you know, your, your spouse not doing or being or saying something that is making you feel a certain way. You communicate that with them. And I will say on that, on that vein, I mean, there may be times that you do need, um, an objective opinion. Sure. Especially if there's some conflict going on in the marriage or you guys aren't in a good place or aren't on the same page. And that's a different thing. Like Scott said, there's counseling for that. There's uh, pastors for that. There's even, even if you have a very trusted close friend that you know will give you wise counsel and advice, then it's not that we're saying don't, don't go talk to anyone or don't get advice, but there's a difference in truly seeking out advice because you want to help things and then venting to someone because you want to feel validated. Right. Um, those are different things. And so exactly. just be very careful with that. And just remember that you're a team, whether your team is playing well at the moment or not. We know a lot about that. <laughs> oh, don't bring it up. We know a lot about our team not playing Poor well. Poor balls. Yeah. Side note. Sorry. I didn't mean to take us on that. <laughs> trail, but that's the happened. point is um, you're a team. And so you need to stick together and have each other's backs. Absolutely. The last thing is to do the little things. Uh, Do the little things. And what I mean by that is find little things that you can can do for your spouse. Uh, Something I don't know that anybody ever told me to do this. Maybe they did and I just, I'm not giving them credit. I don't know. But it just kind of sticks in my head from somewhere that Anytime that Elaine and I are sharing an appetizer or a dessert or something along those lines, maybe maybe it's a, a, some type of dinner and it's just really, really good. Um, you know, I always let her have the last bite, the last bite of the cake, the last bite of the uh, spinach dip, whatever it is. Um, it's just something maybe insignificant that I do, but um, it's something that I always make sure that uh, she has. Um, I try to make coffee in the mornings mm. uh, that's just another example. And I'm not really putting myself on a pedestal here. If you knew all the stuff Elena does around this house, you'd be like, yeah, you better make coffee. That's like <laughs> the least you can do. And she probably made the dessert. So you should probably give her the last bite, you know, that I'll, might be true. Yeah. <laughs> not trying to put myself on a pedestal here, but, uh, the point is that, uh, find little things you can do for your spouse. They, they, they make a big difference. Yeah. And I mean, you are very good at this. Um, especially like the coffee thing, guys, I'm not a morning person. I just, I don't like wake up with bounce of energy <laughs> and we do love some coffee around here. And so that's just the something that we started a while back. We, we kind of took turns for a while making coffee for each other. And then it just kind of morphed into Scott just doing it. And he's just kind of kept that up. And that's, it, it helps my day. <laughs> <laughs> it blesses my life, if you will. And it goes back to learning your spouse, learning the things that make them happy, learning the things that make them tick just to make them feel loved and noticed and, and known and just doing those things on a regular basis to help them feel loved and to know that you're paying attention to them. Well, that wraps up our 10 tips. Thanks, babe, for joining us on the podcast. You're welcome. Being my it's been first fun. guest. It has been fun. And thanks to all you guys for being here and listening and just Uh, taking time out of your day to listen in and listen to a little bit of our story. If you have not subscribed to the podcast or left a review yet, I would love it if you would take a minute to do that. Reviews just help other people to find the podcast more easily. That just helps them learn more about health and how they can move their health forward. So I just really appreciate it when you guys do that. Hope you guys have a wonderful week and we will see you back here next time. 
Please remember that the content in this episode is not to be considered as medical advice and is only intended as general health information. Thanks so much for listening in today. See you back here next week for another episode of the Health Forward Podcast.